0: This week on Dynasty Domain, we will have a special guest joining us, and we are going to talk ADP risers and fallers, or predictions of ADP risers and fallers, over the 2022 and 2023 NFL season that is quickly approaching. I'm Avery Huffman. I'm here with Nathan Schmidt. Hey, hey. Welcome to Dynasty Domain. <laughs> We have a jam-packed episode today, so we're going to kind of go through our trade scenario of the week real quick. We'll probably forego our sleep earlier of the week. There have been too many stupid ones, so we'll just come back and get to it next week. <laughs> uh, but let's jump right into our trade scenario of the week here before we get to our guest. Um, this week's trade scenario of the week is brought to you by one and only Nathan Schmidt. So, Nathan, what we got in this trade?
1: Yes, sir. So, um this side well well i won't even tell you who's who got what but uh team a gets devonte smith and sterling shepherd so essentially devonte smith and team b gets a 2023 first a 2023 third and christian
0: kirk yeah um i'll say this off the bat i think most people are going to tend to take the 23 first side because because devonte smith you know we've said he's a buy he can only be a buy if he's undervalued in dynasty so I think you and I are on the same page about Devonta Smith. I think the guy, obviously, who you'll hear from here in a minute, actually, who was on the other end of this trade, um, I think he also thinks the same way we do about Devonta Smith. And he had a hard time accepting this. And I think think for a fair reason, I think Devonta Smith is worth more than a late-year team is very good. This is a late 23 first. I think Devonta Smith is better than the guys that you're going to get at the end of the first round next year still. In terms of talent, I mean, Devonta Smith is a very, very good talent. So you're talking a guy that put up nine hundred and sixty yards as a rookie, uh, a guy that was absolutely dominant in college, uh, a guy that's on an offense going to look to pass the ball a little bit more. Obviously, we've talked plenty about Devonta Smith I think this is a fairly good trade for both sides. I like the first for his team, Christian Kirk. Obviously, he's got Trevor Lawrence on his team, so that helps.
1: Yeah, he gets the Kirk, Christian Kirk, or the Kirk and Lawrence stack, plus the first and third, which has a rebuilding team or or a productive struggle team. He gets that draft capital, and then me having AJB paired with Devontae Smith, that really raises the floor of of injury or not really knowing who's going to dominate the targets, though. It's going to be AJ Brown. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it is. You're right though. I definitely am losing this trade big time. According to Keep Trade Cut, <laughs> yeah. I, it's equivalent. The difference is equivalent to the two hundred one. Ramondre Stevenson, James Connor, Renfro, James Cook. You can throw that comp away but yep, yep. yeah so it, it was in my eyes it was pretty fair for both sides yeah. I, I was willing to pay the price i think for
0: a contending team who has a you've got a lot of age on your team uh to buy into a young receiver like that with that much upside is good uh, i think for jc to get the pick there spoiler alert who on who it is but i think for him to get the pick there was was nice for his team too as well as for getting christian kirk so i think you know the side i'm picking for this trade just depends on what my team is like yep. um which is a hot take i know but it is what it is so all right, so to kick off the Risers and Fallers portion of our episode, I thought we'd bring on a little bit of a friend today. So we are going to uh, talk to Guy. We, we mentioned a while back that we had hired some guys to help out with the domain. Um, we had uh, a couple of announcements. And, and if you remember, one of those guys, fairly well-known in the Dynasty community, was none other than J C J Dynasty, as you might know him on Twitter. And we are thrilled to have him with us today on the show. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... JCJ.
2: What's up, JC? How you doing? Oh, nothing much, guys. Thank you. It's a real honor to be your your first guest here on the program. I feel like it's a long time coming. You know, we've been talking a lot on messages, on Sleeper and through text, and this is the first time we're actually on the phone talking together. So yeah. It's a lot of fun.
0: And, it's, and it's actually, you know, in reality, it's the first time anybody's been interested enough in our show to even come on because, you know... <laughs> I, at this point, it's been kind of just a startup, but, uh, and, you know, on top of that, we just got the technology to where we can actually Bluetooth people in. So, no, we appreciate you joining us, and obviously, you know, we're looking forward to getting your stuff out there, you know, content-wise, because, you know, you're you know pretty well-respected, and we're really happy to have you on the team, so, so thanks for that. I just, I want to get started today. Um, you obviously, you know, being heavy in the Devi community, being heavy, you know, in the scouting portion of Dynasty, um, you have a little bit better grasp, I would think, and I think Nathan, you would admit too, um, on how how these guys' long term outlook and and how and how they're gonna play out, and just in terms of their talent level and their measurables and their college production and things like that. So I think for some of the young guys, in terms of the risers and fallers, uh, we kind of want to hear what you think. So if you would go ahead and give us a couple guys that you think are gonna rise in ADP over the next you know NFL season or so by the time we get to the off season next year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Um, So I'm probably just going to break it down by position. So I'll try to give you a couple at each quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end of who I see potentially rise and potentially fall. They're not all necessarily going to be rookies. I know I do like to do the Debbie portion. It's been something that I just really enjoy doing. Me and my buddies in college, you know, we would do mock drafts every every fall starting around August, September. And we would kind of chart it all the way through leading up to April where the NFL draft comes. And it was kind of cool to see guys that we really liked kind of end up in day one, day two. And then there were obviously some big misses on our part as well. I'll be the first one to admit I was a huge Josh Rosen guy. Oh, oh, that's awkward. (laughs) Yeah. It's awkward. Yeah. It did not end up working well. I've actually had not the greatest uh, background in quarterback. That's probably the, the worst, but it's also the hardest to predict in terms of Debbie assets around this time last season. D.J. Ulyunglele from Clemson, yeah, that's a mouthful, <laughs> and Spencer <laughs> Rattler right, were, were QB1 and QB2. So they're obviously not viewed in that same light at this present moment. So it just goes to show how often things can change from one season to another, particularly at the quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. So, one of the guys that I think is going to rise is a guy that I was not particularly high on in the pre-draft process, and that's uh, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Yes, I love it. I'm not a particular believer in Kenny Pickett, and I'm a Steelers fan. So, when I found out that they took Kenny Pickett, I was despondent. you know, tiny hands, Pickett can't hold a whopper. Took him until the age of 24 to really ever actually do anything at Pitt in the ACC. I just think because of the draft capital that was invested in Kenny Pickett, that he's going to be given every opportunity to be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers with the weapons that he's going to have. So I think you're getting him at a fairly reasonable discount at the present moment and that his value can only go up from year one to year two.
1: Yeah, I would 100% agree with you on that part, especially the from a value standpoint. The only reason Pickett isn't any higher right now is because of the uncertainty of where Trubisky is gonna be week one, which I think most would guess he's he's probably he's, gonna he's be gonna starting start. week yeah, one. You will. And once Pickett is starting, there's no going back. No, and you're I guarantee a starting yeah,
0: quarterback. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think I Kenny Pickett honestly would have been one of my choices too, JC, because you know, if when I'm drafting in these in these startup drafts later in the season, even after Kenny Pickett has been a first round NFL draft pick, um I'm seeing Kenny Pickett fall to like the 10th, 11th round. And it's when you're thinking about like in a super flex league, you have maybe the only like rookie quarterback that's going to be guaranteed to at least get a large majority of the chances there in Pittsburgh. And he's falling, you know, ten rounds because it's it's a weak class overall. And I think people, you know, are concerned about the breakout age and you know, more or less the hands, whether people want to admit it or not. But um, for him to fall that late, I think I think to say that he's gonna rise, I think I think it's a great bet, honestly. Like I, I, I think I think all he has to do is get opportunities and not completely suck. And I think he's more than capable yeah, of
1: doing that. All he has to do is not be Zach Wilson. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what's... Uh, another
2: guy that I think...
1: Oh, go go ahead. Go, go
2: ahead. ahead. I was just going to say another guy that I think is going to rise. I know that we've had some disagreements on this player in the past. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a riser come after this season. Playing on the one-year contract there in Carolina, he's got arguably the best supporting cast that he's had in terms of skill players with DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. They just traded for Loviska Chenault this afternoon. I know he hasn't really done much as a pro, but he can do interesting things where you line him up schematically. I think Baker Mayfield's got a shot. Robbie Anderson too is like a deep threat. I, you know, I think people gave up on him too quickly in Cleveland. He's gone through a lot of turmoil there, and he took a franchise that was, you know, a, a perennial dumpster fire, and he took them to a playoff game and won it on the road against their division rival in Pittsburgh. So I think Baker Mayfield is going to come out and turn some heads with a good supporting cast around him and that he's going to end up playing himself into a pretty decent contract next next offseason.
0: Again, I think another safe bet there because, you know, Baker Mayfield, you can get him even after the trade, which kind of surprises me, but you can get him really cheap right now. And I think, you know, I think Carolina is more optimistic about what they've got in Baker Mayfield than people seem to believe because you know obviously you know the the preseason hype is one thing but i think you're i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with with the browns i mean the browns just you're right they're a perennial just complete pile of trash like i mean they just ah. they, they never really <laughs> and i know as a, as a as a pittsburgh fan you just love hearing me say that but i mean in just in, yeah. in all reality it doesn't it doesn't really matter how well they built their team or how well they thought they built their team they just it just never really amounted to anything, you know, success-wise, until Baker Mayfield got there. So I think that's, you know, I think that's a, a fine pick. Who else you got, JC?
2: So those are the only two quarterbacks that I had as buys at the present moment. For Sells, my first one would be Daniel Jones. I cannot imagine a scenario to where this new front office and head coach Brian Dable go into next offseason season with Daniel Jones as the starting quarterback for the New York Giants.
1: How dare you talk Whether about Daniel Dimes like that? <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and I hate my good buddy is a Giants fan and I remember watching the draft with him and to see to say that his soul was sucked out of his body when they drafted him sixth overall would be an understatement. <laughs> I, I this mean, is a guy that yeah. really this is a guy that really loves the NFL draft process. And if you guys remember, during that draft, they traded Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns for the 17th overall pick. And they had two first-round picks in the top 20, and it was going to be, you know, potentially uh, the start of a pretty decent rebuild there with Dave Gettleman after after taking uh, Saquon Barkley in, the, in that first round the, the season before. Right. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, you kind of stole our... Um... We're gonna have a short on Daniel Jones next week. Nathan and I had the exact that exact conversation today. So I mean, honestly, you just kinda of, you, you you stole another one from us there, I think. You know, any Nathan, any thoughts on Daniel Jones? I mean
1: No. <laughs> uh he's basically you're gonna to get to a point where Daniel Jones ends up on another on another team next year and he's gonna have a little bit of a rise in value because people are gonna be like, Oh, I believe in Daniel Jones again, and I'll just be selling the heck out of him because he's gonna it's gonna be bad. Yeah,
0: but so. I absolutely think you know. Talking in terms of a year, I mean, even after the season, I think he's his value is gonna plummet. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, who else you got, JC?
2: My other sell is uh, Davis Mills. I unfortunately, for Davis Mills, I don't think it really matters how poorly or how well he plays this this season coming up. I think with Lovey Smith being the head coach there, it's essentially he's a dead man walking. Like in Green Mile, it's just. <laughs> They're going to have Lovey Smith out there. He's going to coach the team for a season because they weren't able to bring in candidates they actually liked and had to hire him so late in the in the off season that the Texans just really aren't going to be able to get out of their own way. And that when they end up being bad overall as a team because Lovey Smith doesn't really have a direction that he wants to take the team, that they're going to end up with a top five, top ten pick. And when you're picking that high. And you have a third-round quarterback as your quarterback, unless he really, really plays extremely well. I, I can't imagine a situation to where a quarterback is in the first position that they address in this draft.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, are you saying that the the Houston Texans aren't a class act organization, JC?
2: <laughs> well, we know what they did with the Shawn, you know, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: no, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I again, I think that's another just completely 100% yeah, solid. Yeah. Pick. They
1: have no sense of loyalty for a third round quarterback no. that they got last second because Deshaun all of a sudden was out for the entire season. So look for them to get a better quarterback upgrade significantly and is in a massive rebuild next season.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely would be very cautious. I think they draft a quarterback next year too. So uh, whether they draft a running back, obviously is a big discussion right now with Damien Pierce, but uh, TBD <laughs> on that one. All right. Who else? Jason? We're getting there. Yeah, I
2: know. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh no. So, some young guns to buy at the running back position. I'm going to go with two second round uh, a second round pick from this draft in Kenneth Walker, I believe. On Trusty, keep trade cut. He's dropped down to running back 17 because of the lack of preseason buzz of him after the hernia surgery. Yep. I think he's right around Cam Akers on that list. And if I could go ahead and offer Cam Akers. Or, yeah, offer Cam Akers to get a Kenneth Walker share. I'd be doing that in a heartbeat. I went went back and looked, and since 2010, if a running back is drafted in day one or day two, there's only been seven instances in the past 12 drafts to where a team will then take a day one or day two pick again and draft a running back. So I believe those day two picks that are being drafted are relatively safe in terms of at least the team isn't bringing in direct competition to play against them uh, the following season.
1: I really like that call there, especially with the uh, Cam Akers for Ken Walker sort of comp. Um, I'm not I'm not as much of a believer in Acres as I think a lot more people are right now and really excited about his return to L.A. Um, I think it becomes a lot more of a committee-back system there in L.A. with their crazy passing game, Stafford, A-Rob, Cooper Cup, and then just seeing... Daryl Henderson and how well he did last season when he was healthy. I really see him and acres complementing each other well, and that really affecting both of their um, fantasy productions uh, like, like weekly. So good yeah. call on the Ken Walker.
0: I think, I think you, I think you made an important point there because we've, we've harped a fair amount, especially, you know, Nathan and I um, regarding, you know, preseason hype and, and how we should be valuing and, and potentially selling uh, some of these players that are getting an overt amount of hype uh, I think lack of hype is is also a thing too. I think with Kenneth, I think you're exactly right. With Kenneth Walker, we've seen it because of his, you know, hernia or whatever sports hernia, um, and and because he hasn't flashed in the preseason, I think you're absolutely right. He's gone in the opposite direction. So I think it rings true both ways. Guys that when they really shouldn't be totally spiking in value are going up because of hype. It's it works the other way too. Guys that are falling because they're not doing well in the preseason or because they're not flashing the preseason absolutely are, are are guys you should snag and I think for Kenneth Walker who's going probably sixth, seventh round in startups right now, I think to say he's gonna be going higher than that in a year, you know, after he probably takes that starting job from a shot penny, I think that's a fairly good call. So who else you got a running back? Yep.
2: My other my other two running backs are also rookies. One of them is running back thirty six currently on keep trade cuts, for Rashad White, third round pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey. When I watched Rashad White, I had him as my R B three in the pre draft process. He's six one, two twenty, probably the second best receiving back in the entire class. And I think when I watched a lot of his games, he reminded me very much so of a Joe Mixon type of player, right. to where he's good in the zone running scheme and he also has good hands and is able to make av- able to take advantage on the outside against linebackers and safeties. And I think Rashad White is going to really push Leonard Fournette. And I don't think Leonard Fournette is at a position in his career where he's 27 years old, coming in to camp, apparently at 260 pounds. I don't know how much... <laughs> I was going to say, see. he can push Leonard for all he wants, but Lenny's retired. not going to move. <laughs> yeah. So, and the way that his contract is situated, it's a three for 21, I believe, and there's an out after this season. I And especially if Brady retires after this season and they're making the one final push and they wanted to get Frenette back in, I don't see why they would have any... Kind of loyalty to Leonard Fournette. It seems like that was more of a a signing to make Brady more comfortable, as opposed to the future plans of that team going forward. I think Leonard Fournette's probably going to be out of a job after next season.
0: Yeah, and 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 I I gotta say, going to the I went to the Colts-Bucks preseason game the other night. Nathan did as well, and I I watched Rashad White run for negative yards like six times in a row. And at that point, I was like, man, this is. Terrible football, but obviously, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And I will say Leonard Fournette is huge in person. Like he is, he yep. is as big as advertised. He is <laughs> That man is a walking big Mac. So, uh, I, I, obviously, you know, JC, I, I like Rashad white too. Um, I, I really do think that he's going to be a very dynamic PPR back when he does kind of step into that role in Tampa. And whether he pushes fat butt out of the way this year or next, like, I don't think it really matters because he's got it coming. So
2: who else you got? Yeah. My final one is RB 60 currently on keep trade cut. He's actually listed behind another running back on his own depth chart, Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford, I believe, is going to end up being the backup running back to Nick Chubb after the 2022 season to where they're probably going to let Kareem Hunt walk or cut him or trade him or do whatever they're going to do with Kareem Hunt. And Dearness Johnson played a pretty good portion of this past weekend's preseason game. Typically, if a running back is getting a ton of work in this last preseason game, it's a fairly good indicator that they're probably going to be cut. Dearness Johnson rates as one of the worst athletic profiles of any running back currently in the NFL. He ran a four eight five forty, and that's the whole reason why he wasn't actually drafted by a team, and he played in the AAF on the Orlando Apollos, I think is the team name.
0: Oh, that's a killer team name.
2: Simply put, Jerome Ford is way more talented than Dearness Johnson, and I think he's made it abundantly clear because he didn't even have to dress for the final preseason game.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, are you concerned that he's not getting, you know, as many preseason reps as, as as some might have figured? I mean, I think I think some people assumed as soon as Kareem Hunt asked for a trade that he'd be traded, but as we know, you can ask the Browns for a trade and they'll literally tell you to screw off. So, are, are any concern with, you know, the lack of snaps so far for for
2: forward there? I'm not particularly concerned because the first game that they played in the preseason where they played the Jaguars Jerome four was featured pretty heavily and they saw what he could do. He scored a, a rushing touchdown in a receiving touchdown. I think at that point he just had more pop, more athleticism, more flash than, than Darius Johnson. And I think they've, they've pretty much seen all they need to see in practice to know that he's probably the future complimentary back to Nick Chubb.
0: Yeah. I, I, I can see that too. I, 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 I think that's a fairly good option. That's a guy that's not a lot of people are thinking about. So, no, so I, not one I would have snagged there, but definitely plausible. Because where's he going in startup drafts? Do you know?
2: I think I grabbed him most recently in a startup around the 21st round. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing.
1: That is decent. I mean, that's a yeah that's a great dart throw in, in those rounds. And yeah, it was a funny. Of
2: like rookie drafts, a couple of the rookie drafts that I had, he's been a fourth round pick. So again, it's, it's very little capital for a guy who potentially is going to be the backup running back in Cleveland where they run the ball an awful lot right right
0: uh, yeah you got any uh, running back followers
2: uh, some cells I think we've hit on or at least alluded to a couple of them 10 Akers is a big sell for me he's already injured in the preseason just yesterday he wasn't even able to run with the team he had to be on the sideline and he was doing stretches and they play in 11 days against the Buffalo Bills to open the season I just think this is Pretty much, we're getting out of makers at this point. A guy really can't stay healthy, as same with Daryl Henderson, and it's just an it's an unfortunate thing. I, I had him, I believe, as my running back four coming out of the coming out of the 2020 draft, where a lot of those guys are very talented. But he dealt with a lot of the similar things in college, to where he had shoulder injury and a knee injury, and you know, one thing leads to another, and they kind of compound on themselves, and he just really can't. He really hasn't been able to prove that he can carry a workhorse role and I don't think it's going to come this season either.
1: That's why you wanted a Kyron Williams from me today. <laughs> I see now.
2: That is correct. <laughs> Kyron Williams is very high on because I think – I he's actually a guy that I probably would put in the buy section as well because I think that they value the fact that he's good catching the ball out of the backfield. The Rams have been in the bottom five the last three seasons in target share to running backs, and they really haven't had a running back be able to be – you know, proficient in the passing game since Todd Gurley left. Yeah. And I think that's a part of the passing game that Sean McVay values. And I think Tyron Williams is definitely fitting the mold in that respect to where he kind of takes on that James White kind of role for the Rams that McVay kind of wants to, to implement in their offense as well.
0: Yeah. I, I, Again, I, I think I see that too. I yeah, think,
1: and we had Kyron in one of our uh, episodes, actually in our sleeper episode, we had yeah. him as one of our picks. So
0: yeah, um. Yep. All right, are we on our receivers now?
2: I got two more cells at running back. I mean, we okay, alluded go to the one Damian Pierce. I think he's a screaming cell. If you're doing Dynasty even remotely right, yes, he would be somebody that you're shipping out of your roster and getting back a nice a nice little piece. I mean, if somebody's going to give you a 23 first, I would sprint. I would sprint the card in. Yes. <laughs> um, I I don't think that is probably likely, but again, him and Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker's RB seventeen on keep trade cut. Damian Pierce's RB twenty. That is insane. so they're being valued roughly around the same. I'm not saying you could go to the Kenneth Walker owner and trade him Damian Pierce straight up, but I would go to him and maybe offer like a second and like a depth player, maybe like a Josh Palmer or something like that. And I think he'd probably get the job done.
0: Yeah. And and you saw it in one of our leagues. I mean, even getting Chase Claypool in a second round pick, I'm like thrilled that I got that. Like, I mean, yep. it, it's, I mean, do you really think, you know, and obviously Chase Claypool guy, not a lot of guys are high on, but, but with, Tons of potential and 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 screaming by because he's being rated so low. But with Damian Pierce, I mean, a month ago you would you wouldn't have thought he'd even be worth that much. And a guy that has you know that little draft capital, um, a guy that's on an organization that you know, like we mentioned earlier, not the best organization, and and they're probably not going to be tied to him long term anyways. For him to be peaking out at val- in value because of you know. Uh, a handful of preseason carries. I, I think. I think you're right. I think it screams. You know, he's. I don't see him going near where he's going in startup drafts, even this week. So, who else you got?
2: The last one. You know, unfortunate news for him yesterday. I hope. I hope he's okay. Is Brian Robinson? Uh, again, if you're doing dynasty even remotely close to right in rookie drafts, you were getting him in the early to mid to even late. Third round of rookie drafts, and I think at this point he's definitely worth more than a third round pick, and he's a guy that I would definitely flip. For whatever reason, the Commanders' their draft strategy just doesn't really make much sense to me. They they went out and drafted Jahan Daphson, who I know Nathan's very high on. I think he's he's a talented receiver. I don't have an issue with them taking him. I, I have an issue with them spending a first-round pick on a receiver and then paying Jerry McLaurin $23 million a year for three years. Sure. I don't think that's a particularly sound investment with draft capital. Second round, they took a defensive tackle, and they've already spent four first-round picks in recent years on defensive linemen. So, again, that's just another another pick that I don't really see the logic behind. And now they also... Went out and paid JD McKissick to come back to be the passing down back, and they just spent a third round pick on Antonio Gibson two seasons ago. And now they just went out and spent a third round pick. I just feel like the commanders have more pressing needs on their team, and in that instead of addressing those needs, they went to three positions to where they have fairly good players at all three positions. You know, again, they have Curtis Samuel, who they gave a contract to. Uh, last season he really didn't play much. He's had a bunch of soft tissue injuries, but he showed a lot of promise and was working with that Carolina offense before the their uh, 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 Scott Turner came over to uh, the Commanders. So I, I just don't really see how it makes much sense to, to spend the capital on Brian Robinson, and I just don't think he's in a great situation to succeed long-term.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's much uh, room in the offense for him to... Really get much share in the future, especially now that his opportunity, as unfortunate as it is for him, has been taken away as rookie season for for the most part. I mean, because Antonio Gibson shot him in the butt. Antonio Gibson shot him in the butt. So he (laughs) literally can't run probably until like October. I don't know. They seem optimistic
0: about that. But even then, like, I mean, and JC, tell me if I'm wrong here, but like, wasn't, I mean, don't you think Antonio Gibson just as a, like, just pure talent? And even you know, as an athlete, is is superior to Brian Robinson in that way, anyways.
2: Yeah, it's not even close in my in my opinion. I, I don't see how they're even in the same in the same playing field in terms of athleticism. Brian Robinson was a fifth year senior at Alabama before he became anything, you know, And you can make the argument that he played with a talented depth chart there, but Antonio Gibson is a guy that played receiver coming out of Memphis. He had seventy seven career carries at Memphis, and then came to you know Washington as a rookie and. Kind of took over a little bit, you know. His rookie his rookie season was highlighted by that big time Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. And then last season, I believe he had seven touchdowns, over a thousand yards, and was the had the fourth most carries in the NFL. So I, I just think he really hasn't done much to kind of prove that he can't handle the workload. I guess the fumbles are the only real concern that you have about Antonio Gibson. But I can you can make the argument that he's still getting used to the running back position. He's only played it for two years.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's a guy that can just do it all on the field. You can really count on him to be that X-factor receiver runner sort of I don't want to go as far as saying Naheem Hines, but he has that pass-catching ability, obviously. Oh, yeah. And if he, he ends a receiver. Up, it, Yeah, I know. Yeah. And if he ends up leaving the commies, which I guess is some worst-case scenario that people are thinking, he goes to greener pastures and ends up in a better position anyways. So I don't really see how you can lose with Gibson as he has very little wear and tear, very little touches in college and, and now um, in his career. And he he's chilling, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, yep. I I think I agree. All right, who you got next for us? All right, we'll move over to the wide receiver position. I got a couple of guys that are buys here. Two of them are rookies. One of them's a second year player. I'll start with the second year player first. This guy, for surprisingly, I've gone out and tried to buy him in a couple of in a couple of leagues. And unfortunately, whenever you go after a guy that's kind of buried on the bench and he's like the sixth or seventh receiver, if you go and ask for just that guy the price is immediately going to go up. You almost have to go after that guy as a throw-in or something in a bigger deal. The, guy, the receiver I'm talking about is Nico Collins. Who Avery uh, called Nico it. Collins. Yeah. Yeah, I knew, <laughs> I knew that too you are going to say. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nico Collins, I, I really liked coming, coming out of the draft process. He's 6'4", 220, really good vertical, has the ability to box out players in the red zone. Unfortunately, he just really didn't have a ton to work with uh, last season, and I believe he, he dealt with some, with some injuries. But I think he's a guy that could definitely, could definitely rise because the only other receiving talent that he has on his team is Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks should probably get getting some double teams because of how much better he is than everybody else. So I think Diego Collins is going to have an opportunity to where he could kind of take a Michael Pittman-like, Michael Pittman-like rise coming into year two.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, and honestly, in Houston, with Nico Collins being as young as he is, you always have to write out the possibility as well that they draft a, a high end prospect at QB next year and all of a sudden he is a young, promising wide receiver with a brand new quarterback. Um yep. I, I think a lot of people are tend I they tend to just, you know, and we talked about this earlier with with, (laughs) earlier with Davis Mills. I also quick note. I do think it's funny that a lot of these guys come from crappy organizations that end up being guys that are going to fall. I think that's no coincidence, but I think I think people are, you know, kind of just mm, a little bit short-sighted with Davis Mills, even though they may not think he's the long-term answer. They're not looking past and and even realizing that it's it's very possible that the Texans have the first overall pick next year, and they take one of those top options at quarterback and completely just run it back. So
1: Yeah, and that is one of the concerns that I guess I would have with Nico Collins, JCU saying that Nico could have a Michael Pittman-esque rise. I I guess personally I wouldn't go that far in saying he'd have that big of a jump just because of his team situation, and I'm always cautious with those teams to begin with anyways. I mean, we're seeing – Case in point, a guy like Terry who's an incredible NFL receiver and he's just been caught in this horrible situation his entire career and he's always underperformed in terms of his uh, dynasty draft capital and what people expect him to do year in and year out. He's a lifetime wide receiver too. And I I think Nico Collins, if he ends up stuck in Houston – I'm very concerned about that. Even with his, uh, even with his athletic ability and his good combine numbers and things like that. I mean, we've seen this with Sterling shepherd as well.
0: I mean, Brandon cooks has done it in Houston though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, that that's true. That's valid, but he's also done it elsewhere. He's sort of, yep. uh, yeah. he's, he's done it with breeze in new Orleans. He did that for years. So yeah, true. Yeah. That's a little bit different and his ceilings definitely capped in Houston for yeah. sure. So
2: yeah. Who else you got? My other two are rookies. One of them is Christian Watson. We're talking about a guy that's 6'4", 210, ran a four three six at the combine. I mean, at that size, that weight, that speed, the vertical was off the charts. The broad jump was off the charts, which tends to believe that he has pretty good lower body explosion, too. He's a guy that, while some players like Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson are gained traction in preseason hype, he really had – or Romeo Dubes, his teammate, who's a fourth-round pick. Right. He hasn't gained any because he hasn't been out on the field. And the Packers aren't putting him out on the field because they've invested some pretty high capital in him, and they want to make sure that he's healthy. Now, he's a guy that potentially Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust him for his entire rookie season, and he could be a guy to where he plays sparingly. And Romeo Dubes might play before him and get those valuable reps with Aaron Rodgers. But I am of the opinion that talent will win out and that Christian Watson is an absolute freak, in that he's just going to be too tantalizing of a weapon for Aaron Rodgers to utilize in years to come. Yeah, so he's a buy for me.
0: I, I think. I think again, it's the it's the anti preseason hype, which the, what's really confused me. I think about you know Christian Watson is obviously you know you've seen his value just really really slide since the draft. It's amazing how quickly people will take. I guess lack of participation in even just preseason and training camp, which in this case is almost a hundred percent, you know, rehab slash even precautionary because I know Christian Watson's really not extremely injured here, but, but that you're exactly right. They have, they have a lot of draft capital in Christian Watson. He is the more talented receiver. I mean, he went to what, two full rounds above Romeo Dubes And, and honestly, I, I think, you know, being tied to Aaron Rodgers at least for, I think in my opinion, two or three years, um, I think your I think the talent wins out argument is is fantastic because because people people are always just looking for what what's tangible in terms of success. And when they have that with Romeo dubs and honestly, I I mean, I think Christian Watson is a better receiver. It's not even close.
1: Yeah, not even close at all. Everyone's so infatuated with dubs right now. It's it's a great time to go and get Watson if you really like to. And this is dynasty. People are so excited about all the people that are doing things now and in the season. And if Dubs outproduces Watson, everyone's gonna say that Dubs is the guy. Dubs is the real deal. Dubs is the thing, and that's when you go get Watson for sure. And I mean, you you see it at other positions too. I mean, Tom Brady for literally no reason at all, just because he was out of training camp for a week and a half, has dropped two spots in, in Dynasty in, in rankings wise. Like it's it's just silly. People people silly just, people just like are that. so
0: reactionary so, in terms of how they're valuing players. It's yep. just it's to a point where it's like you're looking for the guys that are either dropping for no apparent reason or no good reason or rising for no good reason either. I mean, it's been, it's been kind of a common denominator here with these guys. So, all right, next guy, yep. JC.
2: My last guy for buy, he's a rookie, he's a fifth-round pick. I have no idea how he made it that far. It's Khalil Shakir in Buffalo. I think it's a very realistic possibility that after this season, or it could potentially even happen this season, that Khalil Shakir takes over. At the bare minimum, in that slot role, uh, his feeling would be that he's just out on the field in, you know, thirty-one personnel with three receivers out there all the time with Josh Allen and the top-five throwing offense that the Buffalo Bills have, and that he's been given a lot of opportunities to make plays. And he's not going to be facing you know the top corner on the team and stuff with Stephon Diggs being there, obviously. So I think he's a guy that you're getting essentially for free. I believe he's wide receiver seventy-six on keep trade cut. And he's a guy that has just as much upside, if not more, than guys that are ranked 20 spots ahead of him.
0: Yeah, I, and I think you've seen, you know, Khalil Shakir, you know, show some flash during the preseason. Not that it that it super matters, but it, but as a guy, you know, you said, why do you think he slid to the fifth
2: round? Uh, you know, I, you know, I I really liked his tape. I you know his his testing wasn't the greatest in the world. But I think he tested better than David Bell. I think it's the combination of the the competition that he played in college, where he went at Boise State, and the fact that he wasn't a freak at the combine.
0: Yeah, I I I, I tend to agree with you there. I especially, like I said, with him with him going so cheap. I mean, those rookie wide receivers, too. You know, even and I'm sure you, I think you have maybe another one, but. You know, with, with rookie wide receivers and their value, I mean, they tend to have very insulated value in dynasty fantasy football. I mean, I yeah. I wouldn't expect the guys like Jamison Williams to come out and do something spectacular this year, um, par- partially because, you know, his situation with the Lions and there being a lot of uh, target-hungry people there with, with even Swift and Hawkinson, um, but also in part because he's recovering from an injury, and he's obviously not going to be probably at full health the whole season. And with that said, I don't expect his value to to drop from where it is now i mean i don't expect if, if he even comes out and does something resembling success i mean he's his, his adp is going to rise and it's typically that way with any rookie wide receiver anyways because people are they in dynasty they tend to be more patient with rookie wide receivers with young wide receivers because they know it how long it takes them to develop so i think with Khalil shakir yep. i mean all he has to do this year to really increase his value is is slightly overperform, which in and the expectations set for him at this point being a fifth round pick not super high. So yeah, I absolutely see that one. Who you got for us next?
2: So I got some sales. The first one we touched on a little bit is Romeo Dubs. Again, it's a whole thing where if you're playing dynasty, right? Anytime you invest an asset into someone and you could sell that person for immediately more than you already invested in them, I think it's a win regardless of what, regardless of what happens in the future. Romeo, Romeo Dubs. I mean, it's great. He's, he's played well. He played well at, at Nevada. Uh, with Carson Strong who was actually just caught recently by the Eagles but overall I'm I'm not a believer that Romeo dubs is anything anything special for for the NFL I don't know if his if the athleticism really sticks out if the route running ability really sticks out I can't really name one elite trait that he has to transition to being a stud at the NFL level so he would be a sell for me based on, Based on what you can currently go and sell him for,
0: hey, he's got one elite trait. He caught a touchdown in the preseason game.
1: <laughs>
0: Whoa! Uh, anything on Romeo Dubs, Nathan? I think we've touched
1: on. Him <sighs> yeah, I know we've touched on him quite a bit. Yeah. I guess I'm just I'm with you on the sell because I sold him as a package deal. I think I sold him, Zamir White, and Isaiah Pacheco. For, For
0: Corlin Sutton, right?
1: Yeah, I got Cor- <laughs> I got Corlin Sutton in like a second or third. Jason's in even, that league. So I don't even like Sutton, it man. and it was, it was ridiculous. So.
2: Three gigantic cells, too. Yep, exactly. Again, it's a running back with day three capital with multiple ACL injuries. Isaiah Pacheco, who is a seventh-round pick from Rutgers. If he sticks around and does anything of note in Kansas City, fantastic. I can't imagine it being a long-term... No, a long-term situation for him. It's essentially Jarek McKinnon 2.0 at that point. Yes, and then who is the third? You said Romeo Dubs. Yeah, again, we just talked about Romeo yeah, Dubs. Yeah, so,
1: exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah, to get to get a guy who potentially could be a wide receiver one this season with Russell Wilson. So I mean, it's just a slam dunk deal.
0: I've got a question for you. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to play the role of antagonist here, but I really do want to hear your answer to this. Uh, hearing you describe Romeo dubs um, and some of these other guys, I, I think, Oh I th- no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, are We going here. Yeah.
0: I just, I can't, I just want to know your thoughts. Wouldn't you at least semi admit that George Pickens falls into some, this category where his value, you know, where, where most people got him in rookie drafts, his value has gone up pretty significantly from that point And which would, you know, in some cases make him a, a decent sell.
2: I think you could make the argument to sell him, absolutely. You know, like if you spent, if you spent like 110, 111, 112 on George Pickens and somebody's going to give you a first round pick, you know, like I can't fault anybody for doing that. You know, you're you're getting a first round pick in a deeper class, quote unquote, than the class that you just spent the first round pick on him for. You know, I wouldn't do that. Just because I think his measurables and his breakout age and his multiple other factors that kind of give the prelude that he's going to be an elite talent in the NFL. So I would hold on to him personally, but I can't fault anybody for for trading him.
0: No, and I think you said especially with
2: a lot of analysts saying that the twenty twenty three class is a much more talented class if you could take that asset and parlay it to you know, a deeper class. I wouldn't blame anybody.
0: No, that's a good answer. And I just, what made me, you know, think of that is you. You said something that rings true all the time in Dynasty, and that's that if you can acquire somebody at a price and you can, you can sell them for a significant amount more than that, especially in cases like this where we've just gone through the training camp portion of the NFL season. I think it's absolutely advantageous no matter where you are. So I, I just, I was just, I just was going to play with your heartstrings there a little bit because I know, mm-hmm. I know you have more personal. I thought we conviction. were
2: going. I thought we were going down a different avenue there for yeah, a second. Yeah,
0: the,
1: the James Cook Avenue.
0: Yeah. I don't even yeah. want, I don't I thought, even want to talk not, about it. <laughs> I'm really proud of you by the way for not putting James Cook as a as an ADP riser here like.
1: <laughs> yes. You,
0: I could have I could
2: have, you know, we could talk about James Cook. No, no, no we're, I, no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> we don't want to talk about him. Um, <laughs> I gave you a different bills rookie. Yeah,
0: th- I liked that. like that. Every, actually, everybody, that everybody he's given us like I think our guys, They're fine, yeah. That either I would have picked, or B, that are good picks that I'm not smart
2: enough to think of. Yeah, so, no, that's true. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, uh, who's your next guy, JC?
2: This one might hurt some people. I'm going to go with, uh, and this is a guy that I really loved coming out of the NFL draft last season, and I believe he was a late one in dynasty League, maybe a early two in the Elijah Moore range. It's Rashad Bateman. Ah, um, I think for the workload that he's going to get as the second option in a Lamar Jackson-led offense, I don't know if I can pay the price that it takes to get Rashad Bateman. So I think I would rather just pass on him altogether or I would try to deal for him, somebody in a similar range to him, like a Devonta Smith, like a Chris Olave, like a Garrett Wilson, like an Elijah Moore like a Deontay Johnson, somebody like that, that I think that their workload is a little more secure. Um, I just think the, the Ravens are going to get back to doing what the Ravens do best, which is run the ball. And they work the tight ends. And I think that, unfortunately, I, I can't envision Rashad Bateman getting the target share that Hollywood Brown got last season, like 154 targets or, or something to that extent, which is the top 10 target, targets in the NFL, I just don't see that in Rashad Bateman's range of outcomes. I think he's being valued at
1: that. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, JC. I think Bateman has already risen so much in value because of the absence of Marquise Brown in Baltimore that I just I can't get behind. C- compared to all the guys that are being ranked very closely around him, I just don't think he has as high of a ceiling as guys like Devontae Smith. Even heck, yep. gosh, even Chris Alave. Heck, Deontay Johnson is now wide receiver 25 <laughs> because he signed yep. a big contract or, or a two-year deal with Pittsburgh. So now that means he sucks. I, I can't get behind that at all. Do we? St- I think we still have him ranked as a wide receiver one. I mean, yeah, but, he's he's fringe, you know,
0: yeah, wide receiver 12, 13. Yeah. But I think with Bateman, I want to ask you, we had a short come out a couple of weeks ago where, Uh, It was when Simon was still around, Rip Simon, but um, when he was still here, we had a short come out and we were debating between who we would be taking in Dynasty, uh, between Traylon Burks and Rashad Bateman. So uh, who are you taking and why is it Traylon Burks?
2: (laughs) It's Traylon Burks. I think it's a a decent argument because you're talking about two offenses that are run first offenses. So the, the opportunities are going to be limited. I would make the argument that Traylon Burks is immediately the best pass catcher that steps on the field for the Titans. Yes. Whereas, I don't think the Ravens view Rashad Bateman as their best option. I think Mark Andrews is that. Yep. And I think that's how they've schemed up their offense. Yeah. So I think it's just from a sure volume perspective that Traylon Burks offers more, not only in workload, but also in athleticism and overall talent.
0: Yeah, I think so too. You got any more wide receivers for us? My last one's K.J.
2: Osborne as a sell. Huh. People are huh. trying to talk about Kevin O'Connell coming over and, you know, he's going to utilize a lot of three wide receiver sets and that KJ Osborne is going to somehow take a massive spike in dynasty value. I, I just don't see it really. Uh, we're talking about a wide receiver three on a team that has Justin Jefferson. And if we just saw what happened with this team that Kevin O'Connell came over from, the number one target is absolutely. Saturated in targets The only thing that's different about the Vikings Is that their third best receiver Isn't Van Jefferson or Van Jefferson Caliber, it's Dalvin Cook coming out of And they also have Irv Smith at tight end Who is a young up-and-coming tight end that Had a lot of promise before he tore his ACL yes. Last season and we never really got to See him take that next step I think Irv Smith is involved as a receiver Out wide and I just don't really see The overall upside Of KJ Osborne, I think there's a very good possibility that Adam Thielen moves on in the next year or two and that the Vikings spend high capital on another receiver to pair up with Justin Jefferson and if Kevin O'Connell is to take this offense in the direction that the Los Angeles Rams play in. Something similar to Elijah Moore being a top 35 pick in last year's draft and then they go out and spend a top 10 pick on Garrett Wilson or the Falcons drafted Kyle Pitts fourth overall and then they go ahead and take Drake London 8th. I think it's something that you're going to probably see from the Vikings and take this offense to hopefully the next level with Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell calling the
1: shots. Yeah, I I like that call there, and I really think it's interesting to see that Osborne didn't really have a consistent takeoff last season until Thielen got hurt. Like literally to the week, he didn't go off until Thielen got hurt in week 13. And that just, to me, shows that they, they trust Thielen more, who's a 31-year-old wide receiver who's aging and definitely on the decline, over a 24-year-old receiver who they clearly they, they don't think he is as talented as a guy like Thielen is. So I would be with you there that they're probably going to get a better second option once Thielen is out of there.
0: Yeah, and I, I admittedly, I didn't see this one coming. I'm, I mean, I don't remember where he's going in startup drafts, but it's not overly high. Um, I guess I hadn't thought about them drafting another weapon, but when thinking, going through and thinking about like the Vikings team needs, I think it's definitely plausible because, you know, with Thielen on his way out and Jefferson being as dominant as he is, I think they will need somebody to compliment him that is more of a talent than KJ Osborne is. So. I do think I do think that KJ Osborne, I don't know, like I'm not comfortable starting him week to week, I guess. And I think people are picking him up based on his potential or based on what they think he could end up being. And I think you're right. If they end up drafting receiver, that completely yeah. thwarts that plan. Yeah, they
1: draft him based off of the assumption that Thielen will probably not play the entire season due to injury, which is merited.
2: Yeah, but in long term and
1: dynasty, yeah. again, this is dynasty. This isn't redraft. So
2: yeah. I would just make the argument, what's K.J. Osborne's ceiling, that he's Van Jefferson in his offense? Like yeah, yeah. That just doesn't really get me excited.
0: Dang. Now I don't like K.J. Osborne anymore. Thanks a
2: lot. <laughs> um, Alright, tight ends? Tight ends, yeah. Let's do it. My first one, uh, he's going into year three. He had seventh most targets at the position last season. It's Cole Komet. Um,
0: Let's go. I
2: think, I think he's Already, this probably option 1B in the passing game. Darnell Mooney, probably 1A. But I think Cole Komet is just athletically gifted. And you we're talking about a top 50 tight end from a school that perennially just churns out tight end talent at Notre Dame. We're talking about you know a lot of guys that have moved on to the NFL level and have been contributors for many, many years. We're talking about Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert. Next season, they have Michael Mayer coming out. It's just a school that puts out tight ends that immediately transition to the NFL, and I think Cole Kmet's going to take that year three jump, kind of like we see a lot of receivers take that jump. And I just think that's simply going to have to be the case because of who they've gotten. Justin Fields to play with, outside of David Montgomery and Darnell Mooney, I, I are we excited about Byron Pringle or you know Nikhil? Harry just fractured his ankle too; he's out. So it's it's just a matter of. There's nowhere else for the ball to go, and I would imagine that the Bears are going to be in a game strip to where they're going to have to throw the ball or Justin Fields going to be running around like a chicken with his head cut off for much of the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I JC, I do like your uh, take on him, on Kemet being a tight end on the rise. However, I do just want to know sort of what you're thinking in terms of how high he's going to rise this season because he's already... Ranked as tight end 10, I guess, according to Keep Trade Cut, and it does seem like a lot of the dynasty community is already anticipating that rise and therefore valuing him a lot higher than what he's already done in terms of production the last two seasons. Like, How high do you expect him to go? I I personally don't really see how much higher he can go because you've got, obviously, the elite tier with Andrews and Pitts, and you got Kelsey Kittlehawk. Waller, Schultz, Fryermouth, and Goddard like who do you see of those guys uh that like Comet could jump over?
2: I think I think depending on what happens with Dalton Schultz's contract, I mean it's no guarantee that he's going to be a Dallas Cowboy come twenty twenty three. He could easily jump Dalton Schultz depending on what situation he ends up in. Dallas Goddard could very easily be a third option on his passing offense on a team that doesn't throw the ball as much as the Chicago Bears. And Pat Fryermuth, again with all the receiver talent that's being that's at that's on the Steelers right now, he could potentially become a fifth option in the passing game, essentially irrelevant. And I like Pat Fryermuth as a player, but if we're talking about Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Najee Harris out of the backfield, these are a lot of guys that are a lot of to feed. So I think Cole Komet, if he scores say uh, six eight touchdowns and gets say 120 targets as opposed to the 93 that he got this past this past season i think we're talking about a guy that could very easily jump into that top eight and kind of push maybe even even hawk with all the all the weapons that the lions have at the at the receiver and running back position as well to where you, you could potentially hear his name being talked about as like tight end six maybe even tight end five
0: yeah i think i think you bring up a good point i think a lot of people are hesitant um, Nathan's a Dalton Schultz stand, so hey, I think I, I think yeah, it's it's hard. That's hard for him it's to hear, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think Goddard is an important one too. Like I mean, that's something I've realized when just evaluating just how dominant AJ Brown is and how talented Devonta Smith is. I'm like, who's gonna, you know, who's potentially gonna lose the targets there? And I think Goddard is actually a viable answer. I think, it, and it even might be a likely answer at this point. You know, not worried, not being worried about any backs really taking any of that volume but um, yeah I, I think it I think that's plausible I, I think I do think you're right there Nathan he they people are already taking him um, expecting ha, that jump, expecting the jump but I definitely could see him jumping those three guys actually that's I don't think those guys are as cemented into their spots as the
2: guys like in the top
0: five are so uh, who else from tight ends uh,
2: my other two are rookies So the first one is a day three pick. I believe he was taken with one of the first 10 picks of day three. And he's a guy that's gotten absolutely zero buzz this preseason outside of, you know, the the mid-Atlantic region where uh, the Giants and the Jets play. It's Daniel Bellinger. Daniel Bellinger is the tight end one on the New York Giants. And he's going to be the tight end one come game one. And he doesn't have any competition to compete with. Ricky Seals Jones was just placed on IR with an ankle injury. They cut Jordan Akins, and their backup is Chris Mirazik, who was uh, fullback, H-back type, who is essentially a special teamer. So Daniel Bellinger is going to play day one, and he's going to be out on the field with the starting offense, probably most likely in a blocking role at first. I I don't know how much of a receiving load he's going to have. Well, you're talking about a guy that's going to be there if Saquon Barkley and that offensive line, that improved offensive line could get their run game going. And if, God forbid, the New York Giants could get a play action game going, you're talking about a guy that's going to be out on the field for a lot of those play action plays that could work the middle of the field and potentially pick up 15 yards a, catch, a catcher or something to that extent.
0: What do you think about his long term ceiling? Like, I mean, assuming, I mean, because he's, I mean, he's dirt cheap right now in startups. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think even if he comes out and, you know, I think a lot of people just don't realize he's the tight end one there. But so even if he blossoms this year and he starts going a little bit earlier in startup drafts, you know, pr- from a production standpoint, um, and from you know from a talent standpoint, what do you think his long term outlook is?
2: Long term, I mean, it could be. It would have to depend on the target share that he would warrant in in New York. You would have to imagine, you know, Kadarius Tony can't really stay healthy and he can't get out of his own way. Wondell Robinson. Second round pick. I don't know how much he's going to be involved in the offense. So, fortunately for him, he really doesn't have any guys that are supplanted into a target share that could make his ceiling capped. I mean, this guy's kind of the limit for, for Daniel Bollinger. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a George Kittle type tight end that's kind of doing it all and just getting open in the flat and on play action and picking up 15 yards of catch and, you know, getting like a thousand yards on the season. I I don't think that's in his range of outcomes, but I think it's plausible that he could be in the Mike Gasicki territory of tight ends to where there's just not a ton of elite tight ends in the NFL. And he could work his way into that, that low end tight end one just from the sheer value perspective.
0: Yeah. I, I, I can see it. Like I said, a, a guy that is being drafted that late like could easily double his, his, his startup ADP. So uh, what other tight ends you got for us?
2: My last one is uh indie boy,
0: Jelani Woods. Oh, you're gonna make Nathan just completely lose his mind here. He literally like just is he pe- not a Jelani Woods guy? No, Nathan like was on Jelani Woods like, before
1: anyone at else. the combine.
0: He was like drooling over Jelani Woods, and I think it's kind of funny because oh. I, I think Nathan, not that I d- disagree with, but I think Nathan just tends to fall in line with the type of players that. Uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich just tend to target those those unicorn guys that have some some crazy feature, whether it be their height or uh, their speed or or their whatever. Why and do I, they
2: not hire I think, me? I think he's he,
0: I think he's literally I think he picks his favorite players like the Colts pick the players that they want to draft. It's because it, he was <laughs> on him before the draft and then the Colts picked him and Nathan literally about had an aneurysm. Like it was <laughs> I've never seen somebody crush over an NFL player like he's crushed over Jelani. Was
1: glowing, but
0: obviously with Jelani, you know, I uh, not he's not been the best at camp uh he caught a preseason touchdown but give me your thoughts on jelani woods
2: well you were talking about that the colts like to take guys with freak attributes and that nathan likes players with freak attributes we're talking about a guy whose relative athletic score at the tight end position at the combine was a 10 a perfect 10 he's 6 seven, 260 ran a 459 combine forty. I I mean, you're just not supposed to be that big, that that weight and run that speed. It's just it's inconceivable. He's like a Clydesdale out on the field. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Man, you just made and Nathan fake. <laughs> yeah. He's a little raw, sure. But you're getting him at what? Tight end 23, 22 on keep trade cut. Yeah. Yep. So you're getting a guy who has literally all the measurables in the world. There's that, there's that video of Matt Ryan mic'd up, and he's standing next to Ali Cox, who was a college basketball player, and Ali Cox looks like he's like 6'1", standing next to, to Jelani Woods. I just can't, I can't, ima- unless this guy just can't pick up an offense, and he just trips over himself, and he's like a baby deer when he releases off the line, I don't see how they don't immediately utilize him in the red zone. I don't know, his blocking might be might be a potential issue that he'll have to work on. But if that's the one issue that he has and they can work on him with that, I think he's got all of the raw athleticism to be a red zone threat. And you're talking about him being in the same red zone with Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce? Oh, yeah. I mean, those are just three gigantic guys being in the red zone, and that's not even counting Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines working out of the backfield. So I think Jelani Woods has, has a relatively high ceiling yeah. I mean, he, his combine score was, was unprecedented. There, yeah. there has not been a, a tight end to do that.
1: Yeah. You literally, Man,
0: Nathan is like about speaking to cry. My love here. language. It's, I'm personally, I'll, I'll go on record <laughs> saying I'm not a huge Jelani fan. I just didn't love, I don't know. I thought we had, they did a pretty good job though of improving the defense. So I, and I'm a Colts fan. So this is, this is purely fandom here, but I didn't love that. We spent a third round pick on a tight end. Uh, Nathan yep. was dying. And Jelani just... He hasn't been... He wasn't my favorite at the Combine. Um, Obviously, you know, physically and and, and ceiling-wise, because of that, I think he's a unicorn. But... With that being said, I mean, we've seen and this is probably my main concern with Jelani is how the Colts use their tight ends. And and obviously, you know, with Mo Alley Cox, who's also kind of a freak in terms of height, even though not as much as a freak. Um, and I would say I obviously give the athleticism uh, nod to Jelani pretty easily there. Um, I just I'm concerned about, you know, the fantasy relevance of the Colts tight ends with Frank Reich as head coach. Um I do think while Jelani has a pretty high ceiling and he's pretty raw, um, I wonder if he's going to be able to get the amount of targets to get uh, the amount of red zone targets and touchdowns to where he actually even can step into uh, being an elite fantasy tight end production-wise, regardless of of all of his physical traits. Yeah,
1: so I I get the concerns with with Indy's tendencies and the way they use tight ends, but also they've never really had any draft capital invested in their top tight ends. Like Jack Doyle was undrafted. Mo'Ali Cox was undrafted. And there's only so much elite talent you can get from guys that have zero investment whatsoever. Mo'Ali Cox is, talk about raw, he literally played basketball and basketball alone until <laughs> they signed him yeah, on their roster. VCU, those teams and, are crazy. Yeah, dude, I remember him on VCU. He was a boss. Um, but like he he had 45 targets last season and they like, that's a pretty big deal for a guy who has at this point, he has like four years of football experience, all professional. If you can get a guy like Jelani, who's drafted in the third round, who's already bigger than Mo more athletic ability than Mo has football experience already. If you can like, I can easily see those targets more than doubling. They'd ha- But they they, ha- they'd have they have to more than
0: double, though. Like 45, uh, yeah, they'd have yeah. to get to like No, 90. they'd have
1: to get to, exactly, they'd have to get to 90. But that's the thing is, I think it's possible, now that you actually have that draft capital investment and in a guy with the measurables that Jelani has, it's possible. It definitely yep. is. Well, keep, so, your, keep your pants on over there.
2: All right, What's uh, <laughs> <here's laughs> the beautiful thing about, about tight end, that I just want to touch on real quick. Outside of Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson, who were top 10 picks at tight end, you're talking about Darren Waller, sixth round pick, Mark Andrews, third round pick, George Kittle, fifth round pick, Kelsey, third round pick, Goddard, second round pick, Friarmo, second round pick, Schultz, fourth round pick, Gesicki, second, Komet, second, These Tight end is a complete and utter crapshoot in terms of who becomes an elite tight end and who doesn't. So if you're going to take, especially in tight end premium leagues, Jelani Woods is the kind of guy that that the athletic profile of this guy has literally never been seen in the NFL. There has not been a guy that's come to the NFL that has been as athletically gifted as Jelani Woods. Those are the kind of guys you want to take shots on, especially at the tight end position. I just think that's the kind of, that's the those are the kind of guys you want to buy low on. And if they suck, they suck. But most of the tight ends don't really pan out. And outside of that top six, seven, eight, you know what are they really giving you in terms of points per game? It's not really that much. Sure.
0: Yeah. It's it, at that point, it's a dart throw and it's a cheap dart throw. So I get that definitely is valid too. Uh, all right. Uh, you got some tight end followers here. So
2: I got two rookies and then a guy that's been in the league for probably what five, six years. I think maybe it's five. First one, I'll just say it's Evan Ingram. I'm selling it, from <laughs> Stone hands himself. Yeah. But if you if and he's playing for Doug Peterson who utilizes the tight end in his scheme, I would go ahead and sell him for whatever you could get for him. Bag of chips, I don't know, a Netflix membership, something like that. <laughs> I just I don't want any part of Evan Ingram. I I think he died about three years ago in terms of fantasy relevance.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. So you cut out there for a second, but we got the idea. You know, it, it's you – know, <laughs> yeah, there, there's not much more to say about that. Who else
2: you got? So uh, the other two are rookies. The first one on keep trade card, is being valued at tight end 12, and that's Trey McBride. I Wow. I can't get behind the fact that he's being valued at tight end 12.
0: Oh, yeah, where That's he's, high.
2: That's very high. Yeah. And he's playing behind Zach Ertz, who just signed a three-year deal. And Zach Ertz just had the, what, the third most receptions in the NFL among among tight ends. Yep, And he played for Arizona for, I, I think, nine or ten weeks or something like that last season. Yep. He wasn't even there the entire year. I think Zach Ertz has multiple years of relevancy left as a tight end in the NFL. Yes. So if you're valuing... Trey McBride at tight end 12 right now, I don't really see how much further he can rise. So at that point, I think you're selling him already at his peak before he even sets foot on the NFL field. And that's,
0: that's interesting to me because I would think, you know, I just don't see his value falling a lot from here to next year. Like, even if it doesn't go up, I just think that at this point it's baked into his value that he's going to sit behind Zach Ertz for probably at least three years uh, best case scenario, two years, I think, and Zachary is completely capable. So, the one thing, the one thing that kind of concerns me about that with Trey McBride, if he actually does amount to something, because I think the talent is there. I think he's, I think he's a very fundamental tight end, and I think he's, he could become something. But I think his value is a little bit insulated just because people are expecting him to, uh, to be behind Ertz for a year, and and they're not expecting him to start yet.
1: I think at that point, though, he should be probably top eighteen.
0: Well, we have him. I think at sixteen, Not top twelve. So yeah, I think
1: sixteen is great. But so I think that's valid. Yeah, twelve is still. I do get that it's a bit too high because you could even see him declining a little bit when people are so infatuated with Ertz and how awesome he is, and forgot how good he was, and then that results in McBride dropping more, and then you can go back and get him and get him for cheaper. I think. So. I think
0: it'll be interesting to see what his career trajectory is. But all right, last guy,
2: JC, who you got? Uh Kevin's not going to like this one. I'm saying Sal Isaiah, likely.
0: Whoa. That's, I, yeah. I, that is I honestly
2: like great. Kevin, Kevin,
0: can get over it because yeah. um, th- it's a perfectly obvious pick, but expand on it a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, we've touched on it a couple of times. If you're investing any kind of capital into a player and you can immediately get more capital back and really nothing has changed, he haven't even stepped on the field in a regular season game. I think you kind of owe it to yourself as a dynasty manager to go ahead and do it. Isaiah likely, he has an interesting athletic profile, 6'4", 2'4", 6'4 and a half, 250, I believe he was at the Combine. I'd imagine he's probably lost 10, 15 pounds yeah. since playing, kind of bulked up a little bit for the Combine. So say he's 6'4", 230, 235. Yeah, he pr- probably profiles more as a receiver, but again, with the whole Rashad-Bateman argument, what are we talking about, like third, fourth option on a team that really doesn't throw the ball all that much and they're not going to get rid of Mark Andrews anytime soon? And they also drafted a tight end, Charlie Kohler, in the same round. I believe five or ten picks before Isaiah Likely. Yes. So, I, you know, just because he caught, what, eight for 100, 100 in a touchdown against Arizona in the preseason, I'd be selling him all day long based off of that.
0: He might not even be the best rookie tight end in
2: Baltimore. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, mean, I, have, I had... Charlie Kolar ranked cool. higher, and I, you know, tr- watching them at the combine, like I actually was pretty impressed with Isaiah Likely. Um, I'm I am surprised that the Ravens took both of them. I will think I do think it will be interesting to see if the Ravens give him slot work, but I don't think it particularly matters. And I think in terms of you know selling high, this is a perfect perfect example of that
1: definition of a sell.
0: Yeah. So, um, wow, we covered quite a bit of guys there actually, and um, you know, and these are guys that we think obviously are either going to a, uh increase in value over the NFL season or be uh, their ADP is going to decrease. So uh, obviously we don't know everything. I will say Nathan and I know very little, it seems next to JC, who <laughs> really, I mean, if, if you can't tell just from listening, he knows his stuff. Uh, JC is going to, he's going to join us a, a little bit more often here as we uh, kind of let Simon be a free bird in college. And, and he's obviously <laughs> got a, a, a full schedule. JC is obviously a guy that you can tell from the interview, knows his stuff uh, we look forward to having him back on, but JC, um, we really appreciate you joining us, man. And, um, we look forward to having you back on we look forward to ha- getting you involved and thanks for the work you put in for this episode, man.
2: Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys a lot for having me. If everybody listening. If you want to go ahead and follow me on Twitter at JCJ dynasty, you know, I try to, I try to post a Debbie player, uh, once a day, just especially with the college football season gearing up. You know, I'm trying to put a face to some of the draft capital that you guys are trading for in your dynasty leagues. I just posted one about uh, Josh Downs before uh, North Carolina played this past weekend. I believe he had nine for 78 and and two touchdowns. So he's already off the hot start. Probably going to be a late first-round pick, maybe an early second-round pick in the 2023 rookie draft that you guys should be having. So, yeah, if you go ahead and follow me over there, it'd be great.
0: Yeah, and we can confirm... uh, Obviously he's a he's a domain person, but he's a really good Twitter follower. Twitter's awesome, very informative. So, hey, thanks again, JC. We'll see you soon.
2: Thank you guys very much. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, so that's going to kind of wrap up uh, today's episode. Like I said, shots in the dark. We, <laughs> you're an idiot. He and Nathan started dancing. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know for sure that these guys are going to go up, go down, but. Honestly, this is this is one episode where we can default to other people's logic because they were all his picks, and we kind of just were conversing with him. So people can't call us complete idiots after this, which would be a nice will be a nice change for once. Actually, we just people can roast JC, and he'll he'll uh, quickly figure out that you step into the DD realm, you can get roasted pretty quickly. So uh, (laughs) we have quite a bit of stuff going on. So make sure you're on YouTube following us or subscribing to us at Dynasty Domain. We have weekly shorts coming out. We've got three more this week that you're going to like, including Nathan and I sparring over uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So that was fun. Blast. Um, Yeah. Uh, Make sure you're going there and checking out our videos. Um, Leagues are closed. The NFL season is coming up next week, guys. Next week, we are going to have our week one NFL preview. The season is coming up fast. As always, we appreciate you listening. This has been Dynasty Domain.